Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money and the Market. I'm Hong Bin Jung. As 2023 began, Forex markets witnessed a steady start. In the beginning of the year, it was predicted that several currencies like the USD were going to gain momentum and strength in 2023. So as we close in this year, how have currencies performed? Who were the biggest winners and who were the losers? And what can we expect in the year ahead? Well, joining me on the phone today is Simon Harvey, who is the head of FX Analysis at MonFX. Simon, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me. So, Simon, we're almost to the end of the year. How would you describe Forex markets in 2023? Well, I think this year has been pretty split up into different quarters. Um, each quarter has given us a new theme to trade, uh, a new dynamic. Uh, Q1 was all about financial stability and you know, kind of inflation persistence. Q2 was all about coordination of, of, of tightening policy after the financial stability fears retreated. Q3 was then all about US exceptionalism, the higher for longer narrative. And then Q4 was all about buying into the dollar sell-off, the Fed pivot, um, and looking forward to, to the easing cycle in 2024. So, yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been a year which we can quite easily break down into quarters. Mm. Um, and although... Some of the, the dynamics that we've seen have been fairly navigable. I think as we get towards the end of the year, it's been a lot more di- it's been a lot more difficult to understand, you know, the the market reaction to certain uh, to, to certain pieces of data. It just seems like there's a real level of participation here, a real level of desire in the market to to start selling the dollar after maybe a bit of a misfire earlier in the year where many were expecting the dollar to, to start selling off as the Fed approached the end of its tightening cycle. Um, but now there's a, there's a real desire here to chase the dollar lower, which is somewhat surprising to us. Simon, what were the biggest themes in Forex markets this year? Was there anything that caught you by surprise? Yeah, I, I do think it is that that level of participation mm. right, in, in, in selling the dollar. I think what we're still seeing at the moment is a U.S. economy that is outperforming peers. We're still seeing weak growth data out of China with you know, the need for more stimulus there mm. before we can really start turning constructive on the Chinese economy. We're still seeing very weak data out of the Eurozone. There are some signs suggesting that it may have started to, to, to trough. Um, but again, it's, it's nothing that's going to start generating really excitable returns. So we're looking down the barrel of easing cycles in, in the Eurozone and some other developed market economies, which are being driven by you know, recessions or, or elevated probabilities of recessions. Whereas in the US, the dynamics are very different, mm. where the actual outcome for, for capital is, is much more constructive. And yet we're still seeing markets aggressively sell the dollar, potentially because of valuation factors. But as I said, I think it's more a factor of many people were looking to you know, start selling the dollar at, at these levels at the beginning of the year. And this year has been quite challenging in terms of finding the entry point for that trade. And as soon mm-hmm. as you started to hear the narrative change from the Federal Reserve, it almost seems like the markets finally got what they were looking for. So that's, that's what kind of caught us by surprise because it didn't necessarily, the, the size of the moves and, mm-hmm. and the kind of levels that we're at in some of the major currency pairs, they don't match with where we should be in terms of the macro data. So with that backdrop of this year, who were the biggest winners, would you say? 
Yeah, we're still in a, in a, in a paradigm where uh, high-yielding currencies are still outperforming. Uh, if you look at the year-to-date breakdown, Colombian peso, Mexican peso, mm. Polish lotti, Brazilian real, you know, these high-yielding currencies, although, you know, you are seeing some of that carry being eroded by easing cycles, it's not necessarily so aggressive that markets can start turning less constructive on them and especially wipe out the big gains they made uh, at the first half of the year. So it's still about interest rate pickup in, in, in terms of, you know, the, the currencies that outperformed this year against the dollar. But it's also currencies that are somewhat sheltered from, from the Chinese uh, economy. You think about Colombia, Mexico, you know, relatively well aligned with the U.S. economy. Poland, again, a bit of an interesting factor there, but their growth outlook is, is starting to improve, even though it's tied to a weak eurozone backdrop and sub-exposure to China. But as we start to look at the other end of the spectrum in terms of who haven't performed well this year, mm. we are talking about the South African Rand, we are talking about the, the uh, Chinese Renminbi, we are talking about the Norwegian Krone, which have exposure to China, whether it's through the commodity channel uh, or whether it's directly through tourism with the Thai baht, for example. Mm. So there's been some serious underperformance there on the back of these expectations that China's economy was going to you know, really bounce back into life this year driven by the consumer, and it's just stalled. Mm. Um, it, the consumer has misfired because of confidence. Um, the, the government has you know, rolled out some stimulus measures. The monetary easing has yet to really bind. Uh, I think we really need to start seeing a, a solid stabilization in the housing market before we then start to see that consumer confidence tick up and the Chinese economy become a lot more stable at these, these lower growth rates. Um, without the need for for further government government support, and I think that's when we will see these currencies that have you know kind of uh, sustained the the weak growth pressure this year turn their fortunes around next year. Right, right. So, who would you say were the biggest losers of 2023? I mean, outside of the cur- currencies where there's uh, obviously idiosyncratic factors, thinking the Argentine peso, the Turkish lira, the Russian ruble, mm-hmm. for example, where you know, they're all dealing with their own internal um, I- internal factors. We are looking at the Japanese yen. We are looking at the South African rand as the currencies are around 7 to 8% uh, down year to date so are, are the biggest losers. In the case of Japan, there is a there is a, an association there with China, but it's been a fact, factor of, you know, yields have been higher this year and so have equities. Uh, and that means that, you know, we are in a, a higher inflationary environment and those yield spreads are punitive for, for JPY longs, mm. which is why you're seeing the, the, the losses there. If it was in a different environment where we're in some, somewhat more of a recessionary backdrop where equities are lower, I think you'd see a very different performance for Japanese yen this year. Um, but we aren't in that environment. We are in an environment where these high yields are supported still by uh, or the sentiment is still supported by um, by, by positive returns and equities. and equities. And that means that, you know, for the low-yielding yen, uh, even though it's made a bit of a comeback uh, over, over the past month on, on speculation of the Bank of Japan, it's still um, ranking at, at the bottom of the, of, of the kind of the expanded majors once you strip up those, those idiosyncratic uh, currencies. I see, I see. So let's zoom in on some of the currencies now. I mean, 
as you mentioned earlier um, in this interview, we talked about the U.S. dollar. But of course, they were in focus yet again this year amid high interest rates. But despite a good run in the beginning of the year, the dollar's strength looks like it will be difficult to overcome for most major currencies by year end. How did the U.S. dollar perform in the past year? Yeah, I think I think the dollar's performed relatively well. Um, you know, we're looking at a DXY index, which is a general generalization of of, of how the dollar is performing. Um, it's mainly against the euro and the yen, um, but but that's down close to two percent on the year. So we are seeing that kind of shallow depreciation in, in the dollar that many were expecting this year um, on that kind of broad basis. But if you zoom in a bit more specifically, you'll find that actually until about four weeks ago, the dollar was pretty much up against nearly every currency on the board. Um, and and that's a sign of, of where we are on a macro basis. We are still in a paradigm where the US economy is still producing really strong growth. You know, the equity market in the US is outperforming the rest of the world. Um, the inflation is coming down um, and we are seeing a very low probability of recession. Whereas if we look elsewhere in the world, we are seeing inflation come down, but markets are still wondering at what cost. Mm. You know, what is driving that quick climb down in inflation, whether it be in Canada, whether it be in the US, uh, sorry, Eurozone or the UK. You know, the sharp drop off in core inflation, especially, has, has been somewhat concerning and it's raised a lot of eyebrows around the growth backdrop there. That's kind of where we are on a macro basis. I don't really think that's changed too much. The the only thing that's changed in FX markets is the is the view around the Federal Reserve, and and we did see that partial endorsement of of rate cuts and, right. and, and the easing cycle next year from Jerome Powell. We are now seeing Fed members push back on 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 markets, um, adding to those bets, and I think you know the, the dollars sell-off that, that, that's happened over the past month has been too aggressive for our liking. Mm. We really think actually, you know, markets are, are somewhat setting themselves up for failure because the macro conditions haven't changed. And, and when that starts to become even more visible as you go into Q1, and, and we expect the US economy to re-accelerate in, in Q1 as well, that, that kind of divergence is, is going to become even more stark. So you will have a very different style of easing uh, across developed market central banks. And that has different uh, consequences for currencies that, that maybe at the moment markets are a bit oblivious to. They're just looking at this saying, mm-hmm. well, the Fed's going to ease quite aggressively next year. It's not because of a recession. And therefore, this is a risk on environment with lower yields, higher equities, sell the dollar. Uh, and that's kind of what they've thrown the blanket over on, on all, all kind of currencies recently. We think that that's going to to, to start to, to crack that kind of uh, backdrop, um, maybe to, uh, maybe January into February when all of a sudden that, that divergence in the data comes back again. All right. So if let's say the rate cuts do come in earlier in 2024, how much impact would that have on the U.S. dollar? Would it impact it enough for it to erase all the gains that it saw in 2023? Well, look, I mean, we're, we're in an environment at the moment where markets are pricing, you know, 150 basis points of cuts from the Fed next year. Mm. You know, so the question is, how much more can we really price in before all of a sudden it becomes a a recessionary backdrop in the US. Mm. You know, um, at the moment, as, as I mentioned, this is an environment where markets are pricing easing, but at the same time, it's a positive equity response here. So it's very risk on for markets. If we go above an interest rate cuts, pretty much every meeting beyond May, 
the question is, well, what's driving that expectation? And it, it then becomes quite difficult to say, well, it's an economy that's still producing, you know, potential levels of growth. Inflation's back at 2%. There is no concern of inflation persistence, and therefore rates should quickly come down to, to 3 3.5% neutral range. I think what we will start to question is, is the growth backdrop starting to shudder? And you know, as we're playing in that environment where markets are still very much in this sweet spot, we think mm-hmm. there is a big capacity now for the data to surprise positively mm-hmm. and you know, kind of uh, reignite concerns over inflation persistence and less rate cuts, or it, for it to, to, to kind of underwhelm, and then all of a sudden that recession probability creeps up. In both scenarios, that's dollar positive, whether it's a risk off because of a recession or uh, dollar supportive because of that exceptionalism story of strong growth again, uh, the markets are discounting at the moment. So I think we're finding ourselves in a, in a kind of a sweet spot for the dollar sell-off, but it's almost like an unstable equilibrium because it's such a narrow range for the data to keep supporting this narrative um, that actually we think you know, it's going to be quite difficult for the Fed to meet this threshold without markets wondering whether a recession is actually taking place. So we don't think we're setting ourselves up for a big dollar sell-off, at least in the first half of next year, because it's going to be quite difficult to distinguish where we are from a macro basis. We think in the second half of the year, as growth conditions elsewhere in the world pick up and um, the US economy continues to remain at potential potential level of growth, there is an alternative environment for investors to deploy capital outside of the US. And that's when we're expecting the, the kind of the, the larger leg of the dollar sell-off and the cleaner leg of the dollar sell-off to occur. Um, we think actually in, in, the, in the first half of next year, it's, it's, it's a bit too early to really turn, um, turn bearish on, on, on a sustainable level on the dollar. I see, I see. Well, meanwhile, the Japanese yen, that has also been impacted by its central bank keeping ultra-loose monetary policy. I mean, there was this divergence between Japan's central bank and, of course, the U.S. central bank. So how was how has the yen performed this year and what do you expect of the currency in 2024? Yeah, I think the big question here is obviously what the Bank of Japan is going to be doing next year. Um, you know, there's been a lot of speculation about exiting negative interest rates. There's, you know, a big expectation here that, that the Bank of Japan around spring or even before spring is going to have to have to raise rates. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is this is a big question for markets. Obviously, we've seen some tweaks over the course of the year in terms of you know the uh, the, 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 the um, yield curve control framework that's taken the yen so far. Uh, it's brought it back down from the intervention levels of around 150 to, to kind of the low 140s where we're trading at now. Part of that is valuations. Part of that is is obviously speculation that there will be some movement. I think the big question for JPY uh, traders next year is when the Bank of Japan are going to move. And, and one of the key considerations there isn't just what's going on in the Japanese economy, but what's going on in developed market interest rates around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bank of Japan has already stated that next year is going to be quite complicated from a policy perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's because if they if they are raising rates in an environment where everyone else is easing, that's going to have you know, outsized effects on the currency. Um, and that's going to almost deliver too much tightening to the, to the Japanese economy and cause a 
more of an amplified transmission um, of, of their actual actions. And, and they can be very, very conscious of that. So it wouldn't surprise me that the Bank of Japan, if they are leaving negative interest rates, they're going to try and do it prior to the developed market easing cycle. Um, even if they don't have that spring wage negotiation uh, data to hand, it wouldn't surprise me either that if they uh, actually dial down how hawkish this is for, for markets. So I wouldn't necessarily expect them to leave negative interest rates and signal you know, the start of a, a, a tightening cycle that we've seen elsewhere in the world over the past 18 months. I think they're really going to be dovish at the margins, kind of like what we've seen with their yield curve control framework, where they still, you know, they they made it more ambiguous. They still intervened. They still tried to tamp down on any speculation, uh, and they continue to do that. I think we are going to see, you know, dovish hiking from from the Bank of Japan next year, and that means that it won't necessarily be such an easy trade to to, to go short dollar JPY, hold it for the year on the Bank of Japan easing. Um, and those those interest uh, sorry bank to bank tightening and those interest rate channels narrowing. What about the Singapore dollar? How has the Sing dollar performed this year, and can we expect big movements from the Sing dollar in the year ahead? Yeah, the Sing dollar has essentially tracked uh, the the dollar index for for, for most of most of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really kind of broken the difference between how the dollar is traded and how the rest of the the Asian complex is traded against the dollar and Sing dollars generally sat in the middle, partly because of the, the monetary policy um, framework that's, that's in place there. Um, you know, we have seen it come down from 138 into the low 132s um, uh, over the past month or so, and that's on the back of you know, the Fed uh, easing expectations and the broad sell-off in the dollar. We do think it has some limitations here. We don't expect the monetary authority of Singapore to continue uh, with with its preference of of tighter monetary policy over the course of the next year. We also think there's going to be you know a big rally in uh, in, in Asian currencies against the dollar, especially as China's economy comes back online. Potentially, you know, Q2 onwards when the Fed begins to to ease as well, um, and and this is because of the valuations in the Asian complex that are very cheap for for mm-hmm. some of these currencies because they've had to suffer the the wide interest rate differentials between them and the US over the past two years. So as all of, all of that starts to come through, we think you know the Monetary Authority of Singapore will be very conscious of allowing the Singapore dollar to meet the the, the or, or kind of follow the big rally in, in the Asian complex. And actually, that means that the downside in dollar seeing will be will be very limited mm-hmm. um, in, in this environment. So, you know, we are looking for continued uh, continued gains in the Sing dollar against the US dollar, but uh, on a much more muted basis than we have seen over the past two months, especially as inflation pressures in Singapore start to subside. I see. Well, other than the currencies that we've discussed so far, you know, were there any other currencies that caught your eye this year? Yeah, for us, obviously, uh, the currencies where um, FX management has been a, a real uh, consideration have, have kept a, we've kept a lot of focus on thinking about um, dollar JPY, which we've already touched upon, but dollar CMY, Euro CHF. Um, you know, these are currencies where. The central bank's been very, very sensitive of the monetary policy implications uh, in terms of, of their value. You know, dollar CMY, we're still not necessarily seeing you know massive improvement in the Chinese economic growth outlook. Um, and, and yet, you know, the PBOC have, have 
decided that enough is enough at the mm-hmm. 7.3 hand order, kind of turbocharged the move down to, to the, the mid 7.1 level on the sell-off on the dollar. And it looks like that management's going to be so key as we navigate through the next few quarters where the Chinese economy doesn't necessarily provide markets with enough impetus in itself to to start trading a stronger yuan so it's really going to be a consideration of what the central bank's tolerance is here and, and its preference and it still looks like it is tilted towards a stronger cny on the basis that if the currency is stronger that should support investor and consumer sentiment and help that growth outlook as well so we are still somewhat constructive on cny even though we expect a rebound in the dollar going through into the beginning parts of next year, purely on this basis of management. Mm, and we're also keeping a close eye on EuroCHF, mm. which is trading around 0.95. We heard from the Swiss National Bank last week, and they were very, very conscious about how uh, how markets were interpreting their decisions. So previously, they, were, uh, they stated their preference for a stronger franc. They've dialed that back now around this 95 level, noting that if the Eurozone economy does tip into recession next year, there's going to be big haven inflows into the Swiss franc. And that means that Switzerland could start to import more deflationary pressures, which would be massively negative for the Mm -hmm. central bank, but also could start to import the recession as well. So they removed key parts of language around their preference on the franc. It's now very neutral at current levels. And as we expect the Eurozone growth data to remain weak going into the next part of or the early part of next year, you know, the questions we're asking ourselves is when the Swiss National Bank will begin to intervene in, in policy. Um, and then that's going to be a, a real kind of battle, we think, over the course of Q1, um, because they're very opaque in, in, in when they intervene. We have some proxies, but we don't really get the real data until about a quarter and a half after they actually do intervene. So they're the, the two other currencies that we've been keeping a very close eye on this year. Um, and, and that's without discussing euro dollar, which has obviously been quite an interesting currency, especially over the last six weeks. It's been the currency where you've mostly seen the most participation in re-engaging with long positions, even though the data hasn't warranted an mm-hmm. inflection point. It's purely a Fed call here, uh, a Fed call on looser monetary policy in the US and, and the spillovers that has for the rest of the world. Mm. Whether that lasts... You know, it's going to be you know a really interesting Q1 for Euro dollar, especially as it trades just below 110, which, for all intents and purposes, the fundamentals don't support. I see. Well, thank you so much, Simon, for your time and your insights today. No, thank you very much for having me. Thank you. We've been speaking with Simon Harvey, who's the head of FX analysis at MonFX. I'm Hong Bin Jung, and this has been Money in the Market. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.